Hey, babe. What? Smell my face. <laughs> yeah, your face smells like shit, but your beard smells good. <laughs> hey, ladies, you're looking for something to buy for your man and you want his beard to come in looking nice? Go check out madvikingbeard.com. The bomb that Eric's using right now is Sonic Brew Beard Bomb. Actually smells pretty good. Welcome to the Horde and Beard On. Welcome back to another episode of Spouse Holes. I'm here with Kiara. We're having a lovely time. How's everybody doing out there? Hopefully good. I know I can't hear them. They're not responding. <laughs> Dork. Um, yeah, so our week was pretty hectic with Erica. She had an MRI done. She also had appointments for her cleft palate. So we'll get the results soon on that. It was a lot of doctor time. Yeah, it was. She was a trooper, though. She did awesome. Same with Zaley. They both did pretty cool. So, Well, what else did we enjoy? We did some March Madness. Uh, I think both of us are pretty much eliminated. We would be horrible bettors and gamblers. It's true. That's why we don't do it as a full-time job. It's a very good point. <laughs> I, I don't think either of us have a single team in the Final Four, so I think I won by one pick. It came down to one game, and we actually watched the game that it came down to. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to figure out what the... My reward or your punishment. Right. We'll figure it out. All right. So should we get into this? Should we get into our holes? Sounds good. I got a hole for you. All right. Let's hear your hole. Okay. So there's been some drugs smuggled into prisons. Now, everyone's out there. That's not new. Get some new news. I agree with you. Drugs are always (laughs) getting into prisons. But here's the thing. These are getting thrown into the prison in the form of dead rats. Ew, what? Yeah, people on the outside are catching, killing, or finding (laughs) dead rats, cutting them open, scooping out their insides, and stuffing them as full as possible with drugs, and then stitching them up and throwing them over prison uh, fences so the inmates in the morning can go and find dead rats that look like Frankenstein. What the heck? Yeah, that's a good hole. Yeah, so the hole is obviously the people that are willing to cut open a rat, stuff it full of drugs, and throw it over a fence for other people who are addicted to said drugs to right. then use rat drug inside drug nasty <laughs> gross. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Got it. Yes, they are all holes. <laughs> Bunch of holes. <laughs> all right. So I have one and I don't know if this is so much a hole or a plug. So I'll let You know, whoever's listening, you can decide on your end if you think this guy is a hole or a plug because I can see both sides of this one. So this one and we're going to post if we have names or anything, we will post them on our um, Instagram when we do our post of our holes and plugs of the week. So you guys can go into the link and actually read who it's about because some of these names are a little intense. So um, this one is a serial killer from Brazil. So they call him the Dexter. So he actually kills other criminals. So that's why I don't know if he's a plug or a hole. (laughs) I think we could maybe give him a bolt. Okay, he's a little bit of bolt. So he is actually, he's committed over 70 murders. He had 10 murders completed i guess by the time he was 18 years old by 18 yeah so by 18 his first kill was when he was 14 years old and it was some guy who made his dad lose his job i think right there he becomes a hole because if you just made your son if you get fired and then your son goes and kills a man because you got fired 
That's not a good enough cause. That's not Dexter level. <laughs> well, no, but then it kind of escalates from there because then he finds the actual guy who went and stole food, which was the dad was accused of and which, you know, that's why the dad was fired for. And so he finds that guy, kills that guy. And then later down in his life, he ends up killing his dad because his dad killed his mom with a machete and he stabbed him 20 plus times, rips out the guy's heart and chews on it. And then he gets caught in 1973. He's in the cop car with two other criminals. And when the cops open the door in the back, when they get to wherever they're going, the prison, obviously that he killed one of them because he was a rapist. And so then from there, he obviously goes into prison and he just goes on his killing spree in prison. Oh, so he's killing inmates this whole time. Yeah. So then he, he has about 47 inmates that he killed. He was convicted for about 120 years life in prison. Then it upped because of all the inmates to about 400 years. But because Brazil, I guess, has a max sentence of 30 years, he got out in 2007. And so, yeah, so he's obviously saying that he will still kill criminals. And so he is like the Dexter because it all escalated so quickly. <laughs> so I don't know. So now he's on the outside. Yeah, from my first. understanding, he's on the outside now. He was released in 2007. So. Oh, you know, he's out. He's he's out there killing more. He'll be back in to get some more. <laughs> yeah. So I'll leave it up to the listener. If you decide that he's a plug or a hole in your book, I don't know. But for me, he's like, he's a little bit of both. I'm leaning more towards hole, but because you said plug is it could be a plug, I will just go right into my plug and then we'll wrap that part of the segment right up. <laughs> okay, let's hear your plug. All right, so this woman in Bangladesh, she goes in and has uh, gives birth to her son, and the son was premature. They go home, both of health, and 26 days later, she comes back to the hospital and is like, I'm having some severe stomach problems. I don't know what's going on. You know, I just gave birth to my son 26 days ago. Right. Can you help me figure out what's going on? And they take an ultrasound and she actually had two wombs and had twins in her other womb. And she gave birth to a healthy boy and girl twins from her other womb. And the reason this wasn't ever found was because in Bangladesh, they they were very poor. And so she had never had an ultrasound. It's crazy. So when they were looking it over, it was a matter of they just didn't know she had two wombs. And so they weren't expecting three babies. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? So she's my plug because after all this endeavor, she's going to need some plugs. Oh my gosh, yeah. Wow, that's awesome though. Yeah, I was very impressed reading that story. It was a matter of disbelief how you could possibly have three babies in you and not know. Is It just really shows how blessed we are to live here and to have the doctors that almost everybody that goes in gets an ultrasound. You know, like that's right. not something that you even think about. Yeah. Money doesn't factor into it. You just get your ultrasound and pay the bill later. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. But I was thinking, since that story was talking about, you know, this mom having three kids, I thought maybe we could talk about us becoming parents and becoming a bigger family. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I think that we definitely have different perspectives as far as when we became parents and how all that folded out and all that. 
Oh, for sure. I feel like when we were first married, it was obviously something we discussed before we got married that kids had to be on the table for you because you definitely wanted them. And I was kind of like, well, whatever you want. I just want to be with you. So if that's what what's part of it, it's part of it. I would have been happy if you would have said, I don't want kids. I would have been happy if you said you wanted kids, just not a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's my thing. I... I think I've always wanted a bigger family because I come from a bigger family and you were like, no, like one or two, but no more than two. And I was like, oh, I want like four. But I think with Erica and everything right now, I can only think about the two. I'm not really thinking about future, but I've always wanted a big family. And I know that you've, you're good at the two. I would be okay if I could guarantee it was going to be a boy. I wouldn't mind having a son. But I think if we were to have a third girl... I would just need my own house and I would <laughs> I would just come visit is what I think would have to happen. Okay. Good to know. So do you want to start? No, just kidding. <laughs> right here, live on the podcast. No, gross. <laughs> so our journey as far as having kids was a little rocky. I don't know, and I'm sure a lot of women out there who are listening have faced I don't know I, I guess when the, when you start trying to have kids I think it's different than people having like surprise babies because we never had a surprise baby we've always well we, ours was a little bit different we didn't have the option to have a surprise baby because of some health complications on your end yeah you know we yeah I'm, I'm broken yeah she's very broken <laughs> uh, we always had a plan in general of what we wanted to accomplish we wanted to get me through school and we wanted to be a little bit more you're never ready for kids, let's face it. But we wanted to be a little more prepared than we were at the moment we got married. And so we did know we were going to wait a certain amount of time. However, when it was time for us to start that journey, uh, we found these health complications that you were having that kind of required us to speed up and not have the time to sit back and do it at our own pace, if you will. Right. So I have endometriosis. I don't know how many people out there know what it is. Pretty much it's like, from what I understand, from what the doctor told me, your lining is getting eaten up by acid that doesn't actually release from your body, I guess. So there's actually a lot of women who have it who don't realize that they have it. And by the time they go in because they want to have kids and they're having problems getting pregnant, their lining's getting eaten and you get holes in the lining in your insides to, you know, when you want to have the baby. So for me, when they did, I did have to have surgery to get it cleaned out. And when they did that, they did find that it was already starting to eat the holes or sorry, eat the walls and create holes. And so that once we figured that out, then the doctor said you have X amount of time to. It was crazy. They, he basically told us that we have one year to have a baby. And if we didn't have a baby in that year, our likelihood dramatically decreased. Right. But then he also mentioned that once you have a baby, it basically is a cure-all and it heals your problem. Like it just flushes whatever the problem yeah. is out of your system. That's right. Because it like your chemicals end up balancing out. And so he was like, yeah, you have to have the baby within this year or you're going to have to be back in here, have the surgery, and we don't know how much more damage it's going to make. Well, so then can we technically say that you were so baby hungry that your insides were eating itself up? <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't think that's how it works. Oh, is, is that not scientific no, enough? No, that's not how it works. <laughs> gosh. 
Yeah. So then after that, after the surgery, which was crazy to have the surgery. Well, and then they put like a time stamp, you know, and that was what was, that's when it becomes real in your mind. It's like, because at this point we wanted a family and it was time for us to have our kids. And I feel like both of us had finally made the steps mentally to be as ready as we could be. I know that when the first time we talked about kids, I was a mess when it came to thinking about having kids. And I was just like, no. Well, and to be honest, when when it's like that, it almost made me feel like, I don't know if I want to have kids because I don't ever want to force you to have something you don't want. Like, I don't want to force having a child when the person doesn't want a child or doesn't, I don't feel like they want the same thing that I do. So for me, for a while, it was like, at first I really did want them. And then after a while I was like, I think I'd be okay if I didn't have kids because I'm not going to force anything on anybody, you know? And I'm just that type of person who I always, I think I would like to believe I put other people before. So it's like, well, if Eric doesn't want them, I'm not going to force you to have a child with me. But I think at that point we were both mentally like, I think we could do this. I think it's. Oh, no. When we decided to have have you go in and have that surgery, that was like our moment of saying, well, if we don't have the surgery, we might not be able to have kids. So we need to have this surgery so that we can start the kid journey. And then the doctor comes to us and goes, yeah, you have a year. Or you might not ever have kids. And that just made it so surreal for me. And I'm sure for you even more. Yeah, I think it was like, this sounds kind of bad. And I don't know, I don't want you to hurt your feelings. But it was like a now or never kind of thing. Like it was like, we have to do it now or I'm never going to have kids. And I think at that point, I felt more selfish. Because for me, it was like, I that's what I've always wanted. I love kids. And when we first met, like my nephew was pretty much like my kid. And... You know, I've just kids I just always love and, you know, hanging out with them and watching them grow. And so for me, that was one thing I was like, hey, I'm going to be selfish. Like, I want kids. So if you don't want them and you're not ready, I don't know what you're going to do. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> that's what I'm going to do. So no, I was at that time, by that time in our relationship, I was ready and I did want to have kids and I still want to have kids, obviously. I, they're the. <laughs> highlight of our day like I couldn't believe just today sitting at our dinner table with a coloring book and coloring with Zaylee today it, it was just like time stood still for a little bit it was pretty it was just a unique moment for me I don't right. know I never expected me to feel that way towards another person like people always say that you love your spouse and that your spouse is your everything but it's just a completely different love like it, it, it was something else today. Right. It was really fun. Really. It was a great day. Right. So then for us, when we, you know, I think it was really stressful when the doctor said you have one year. So it put a lot of stress on us and we ended up getting pregnant pretty quick after the surgery, but we lost that one. I think I was only pregnant for like four or five weeks and then we lost that one pretty quick. And it is so painful to go through a miscarriage. Not just emotionally, but like physically. It hurts so bad. And then we got pregnant pretty quick after that. That one, the doctor pretty much just said to me, your body didn't register. You lost the baby. It's still trying to grow something, but there's nothing there. So we have to have the surgery and pull everything out as far as, you know, the, the leftover stuff, I guess, of the baby that you know that ended up passing very early and so we had to do the surgery for that so that I think emotionally put a big toll on me and I felt like 
I'm never going to have a kid. Like I've just lost two. So I'm never going to have a kid. But I felt like with you, you shut out on me. Like you didn't even like you were in your own world and I was in my own world. And I was like, I'm alone. I'm by myself dealing with this on my own. Yeah, I I didn't know how to respond. I just the differences between the first one and the second one were so dramatic. The first one, I felt like we rebounded fairly okay. Right. Like we were ready to push forward. But the second one, it was such a longer process because you ended up having, I think they called it a blighted ovum Mm -hmm. and your stomach continued to grow as if you had a baby. And we thought we had a baby for a while. And then when it was finally our chance to have the The ultrasound ultrasound, and they found that it was just the blighted ovum, it was just, I think it was shattering for me as well. And I think that I just have never been good about communicating emotions i think i just shut it down and try to move on instead of talk and help you through it i just kind of was a spouse hole and said (laughs) you can figure it out and i'll figure it out and then if we decide that we're ready to move past it we'll move past it yeah i think that was definitely the second one i have to agree was harder because the first one i think it happened so fast you know within that week it was you know, everything, my body just did it on its own. But the second one, because I had to go into the surgery to remove everything. I remember sitting, I'm trying not to cry. Sorry. I remember sitting down in on, you know, on the table before they take you in for the surgery. And the lady comes by and, you know, the nurse and she kind of goes over the list. Like, what are we doing? You know, so she, so she's verifying that you are aware of the procedure you're doing. And I remember her saying, so you're aborting and I said no I'm not aborting it's a DNC because you know there's nothing there and so I remember when she first said that I think she saw like how because I just broke out crying and I was like I would never do that like I'm just I don't my, my beliefs are just not that and so for somebody to say that to me and just how cold she was for me, I was like, this is not helping. I just already feel like I'm by myself. I'm already sitting in this cold hallway by myself and I'm dealing with all this on my own. So for me, for a while, and I know that when, you know, once we got pregnant with Zaylee, it was different. But for a while, I was like, I don't even know if I want to try anymore. Like, I don't want a kid anymore. Like, if this is literally my battle, I don't want to even try again. But I'm glad that we did, you know. So. That was a. I didn't wasn't even aware that she said it quite like that. Yeah, it was pretty cold. And I'm I don't know, I just feel like I'm the type of person who tries to keep everything together. I remember the first miscarriage at the time I was working at a credit union up in corporate office and my department, you know, online department was small. It was me and and a coworker and she's actually one of my really good friends now. And I remember coming in after the first one. And sitting on her desk and just bawling my eyes out. And she's, because I'm just serious at work. I, you know, I'm there. I have my head in the game. I'm pushing. And that's pretty much how I always was, you know, when I was working. And for me, I guess it was out of character for me to just sit on her desk and just bawl my eyes out. And it was like our little nook. So, you know, people weren't really in our business. And I remember her really getting me kind of through that and it was just me and her you know like she really helped me and then the second one I remember her also just kind of coming to me and telling me like Kiki it's gonna be okay like you're strong I know that you're strong you can get through this and I think 
having her there and I know I like like I said I don't want to make you feel bad but I know that you were dealing with your own stuff and the way that you deal with it is completely different than the way I deal with it and I do shut out and I do kind of get to myself and I don't want to bother anybody with my problems and I remember I had to go talk to my um, lead to go tell her I have to leave early because I have this surgery that I have to go to and nobody knew that I was going through it except for the one coworker, and I ended up telling that one because I had to because I had to leave the only reason why I was able to do it with such a brave face because moments before I was talking to you know my close friend and she was the one that actually pushed me and said you know you can do it you got this and I think that helped me with getting the courage to tell people now I don't mind telling people the story because I know a lot of women go through it and it's something really hard to even touch base on. And I know as, I mean, the dad, I don't think a lot of people think about the dad's emotion on it. Yeah, I know that when, and the way the hospital handled it, to be honest, really frustrated me because the lady, when we had the first ultrasound where you walked away thinking everything was okay Mm -hmm. and you left the room and it was just me and the ultrasound lady and she goes, yeah, there's nothing there. And yeah. I'm just like, excuse me? And she goes, yeah, I just didn't have the heart to tell her. And so I'm like, you expect me to do it? And I just felt like she was just the biggest bitch at the moment. Because yeah. she just told me that there's no baby in you after... Pretty much telling me everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, basically saying, oh, there's that, there's that. And then... She leaves, and then I kind of didn't know how to tell you, and I don't think you believed me at first when I did kind of try to tell you what happened, and then some more time went on, and we got a second ultrasound, and this time we had a different lady who was much better. Well, and then the doctor came and in, the doctor too. the doctor came in, yeah. But I think the way that was, I think what bothered me the most about it was the way that you came across it, and I don't know if this is just cultural differences maybe I don't know or just the way that we were raised differently but I felt like yours was more cold and like this is the fact there's nothing there that's not what I wanted to hear it wasn't like I didn't want somebody to tell me it's so cold like I needed somebody to tell me you know like hey you know this is happening but we're gonna get through this you know because for me it was like there was a baby in me there was something growing and for you it was like well the facts say scientifically blah 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 and I'm like I don't need to hear that that's not what I want to hear and so I think for me it was harder because I think the way that we cope with things you're just more scientific and this is a fact and for me it's like I'm more like emotion and spiritual stuff you know so I think it was like a big for me it was almost like a strain on our marriage because it was like you're not helping me cope through me losing two babies now you know, I felt like I was better on the second one than the first one. The first ones was the one we had the big differences. And then the second one, I agreed with you that we there was a miscarriage and that there was yeah. there was problems. The first one we did have some disagreements disagreements on because of the shortness and right. stuff like that. But on the second one, I thought I did better with yeah. not saying there wasn't a miscarriage. The first one I did say a few times that I thought it was a chemical pregnancy versus a miscarriage. Right. So, yeah, I think that a lot of people don't like think about the dad's part of it because you don't carry the baby 
And so I think people are like, you're not as connected. But I feel like for the most part, dads are. I mean, it's still your baby, right? See, for me, it was easy to write it off as a chemical pregnancy versus we had a baby and we lost a baby. In my brain, the chemical pregnancy just means that the test messed up and nothing was actually ever there. So I didn't have anything to love or lose. Well, I also did a bunch of research on it. And a lot of things say like the test doesn't ever say positive unless it actually is positive. Like there's no, there's never a mistake. It's from what, as far as all my research, and I could be wrong, but from what I've read, a chemical pregnancy is considered a miscarriage. Yeah. See, I was unaware of that. Yeah. So I think for me, it was the baby. As soon as I found out I was pregnant or you get the positive, I think as soon as a woman finds out that they are pregnant, they realize and they have that realization of, oh my gosh, there's something growing inside of me. Where I don't know if a guy or when a guy gets that. When you see the test, that's positive. I don't know. Like, when do you realize uh, that? For me, it was when the ultrasound with Zaylee where, like, you saw what looked like a baby. And she's moving or he's moving. And you see the heartbeat and you hear the heartbeat. And that was the moment that it became real to me. I mean, I knew... You were pregnant, you were puking, you were feeling sick, <laughs> your belly was growing and stuff. But, you know, until you hear that heartbeat, it's, it, that's when it just it took, takes your breath away and you don't know. Right. It really defines you at that point. Like you, they say you change like three times in your life or something like that. <laughs> three big life changes. And that for me, I think. Was one of them. Was one of them, if not the last one. It'll be interesting to see what else life brings, but that moment was something else. I guess I could say I had another one, but I think it was related to the same, was when Zaylee was born, and we kicked all the family out, and it was just me, you, and her, and then you wanted to do the skin on skin, and so I took my shirt off, and the nurse handed her to me, and I just crawled up in the window still and started bawling like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I think for women it's different. At least for me, I can't speak for all women, but I know for the most part of people who I have talked to who have gotten that positive, you get that moment where you sit down on the toilet or on the bathtub or wherever after you take the test and you just realize there's a baby in me. There's something growing inside of me. Like I'm going to protect it and I'm going to do everything I can. Is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? Am I going to dress it in dresses or am I going to dress this in, you know, little boy stuff? If it's a boy, all the haircuts, the outfits, the, you know, same thing with the girl. So for me, it hit me. I think it hits a girl a little bit sooner. So when I'm not getting that emotional reaction and you're kind of detached saying, well, it's just this, I think that was kind of what broke me more. And I just felt like, you're never going to understand because it's not in you. Oh, and I completely see now what I did wrong and how I didn't wasn't a good spouse. I wasn't. But I think had it been different in the sense of we had Zaylee right. and I knew the joys and I knew all these things cuz I'd never been around a kid. I did the first baby I ever held was my own. Like <laughs> my family, we never had I mean it was me and Sean and we sadly aren't very close to any of our cousins. Right. And so there was never babies to be held. And so I've never held a baby. Right. And then the first one I held that I can remember, I could be wrong. My mom might be all over there. No, you held after <laughs> And I don't know. But personally, <laughs> first baby I can remember, they actually have to support the head baby. Right. I mean, a little toddler that you can just kind of throw up in the air and stuff. That's different. 
but a baby that you have to support the head and take care of was Zaley. You know, we were to have a similar scenario where we have a miscarriage again, I would be completely different, I think, because I know what we just lost. Right. And so now looking back at it, I've had lots of time to reflect on how I was and definitely, definitely a spouse hole. And I take full <laughs> custody of that one. Well, and I think it sucks because of the two miscarriages that we had before. I think it was harder with Zaley when we were pregnant with her as far as getting that joy. I think I was just... It was just, just constant fear. Yeah. Like everything I did, I didn't want to do something that would cause a miscarriage or I didn't want... I don't know. It was like I didn't want to get excited for the baby because I didn't want to get attached like I did the previous two times for me to just be broken again. You know, so it was it's just hard after your miscarriages for that next baby to be excited because you're like, what if I am excited and I have all of these dreams and fantasies as far as having my family grow and watching this baby grow and being this awesome person. And then it just gets ripped away from you again. So it's definitely hard, you know, and I always, when I talk to somebody who has had miscarriages, I'm like, I feel you. And I know as much as everybody tells you it's going to be okay and you know it'll get better it sucks and you don't want to hear it and you're like no just let me be in pain right now because that's just what I need I don't need you to tell me it's going to be okay because right now I don't feel like it's okay you know well and what stacked up for us even worse is we still had the year we had to have a baby within a year and having two miscarriages it put us out four or five six months yeah, it was it was stressful. <laughs> and so now we're looking at a short window to be far enough along to not be worried about a miscarriage again. Right. And to accomplish it in the year mark that the doctor basically said it's baby or never. no ba- baby or no baby. Right. And so I mean, we got to the point where to be honest and we can I can speak openly about it now because right. we were past it. It was more of a chore than a joy just making the baby. But I'm glad that we were able to make our babies and we have two beautiful daughters and they're amazing. Yeah. I, it was a chore. I don't think it was fun. That's why I'm like, I never have that experience and I don't think we ever will have that experience of having that surprise. Oh my gosh, we're pregnant because it was always just something that was planned. And it was, like you said, it was a chore. Yeah. I've got my physical tomorrow and I'm debating talking to him. (laughs) About uh, the vasectomy word. You really don't want the girl, huh? Another girl. <laughs> it's too risky. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, once we did get pregnant with Zaley, I felt like everything kind of just, I think I realized how much I did want the baby. Once I did have Zaley, once she was born in my arms and I was like, okay, I think the miscarriage... I'm just type of person who wants to think positive. So I just thought, you know, the miscarriage was just something to open my eyes to see that this is something that I absolutely wanted a kid, not just because people around me are having kids or because my friends are having kids or whatever. It was something that I actually wanted. And I think it helped you too to realize if you wanted a kid or not. Oh, that second one, it tore me up pretty good. Yeah. But I think more than anything, it was the fact that like your belly was growing and the way that the hospital handled it was dog shit and that didn't help with that i think it hurt us like like false hope well not just false hope but then it you know it put a strain on us because you were saying that i was lying 
Right. And she would have said it to you too. And so it like just put unnecessary strain on our marriage that wasn't needed at all. Right. And then we got pregnant with Erica. You know, we got pregnant. Like we wanted to have our kids pretty, pretty close in age just because I always liked having my siblings that were closer in age with me. And I remember when we got pregnant with her and it's weird because I think as a mom, I just knew I felt like something was a little off with her. Like she's not, I'm not saying like my daughter is in any way like broken because she's not. Erica's amazing. But I just felt like whenever I would talk to her, I would always like tear up and want to ball and just cry. And I don't know if it was just something in me that just felt like this one's just a little different than Zaylee. And you know, your kids are always going to be different than each other. But I never would have guessed that she would have been deaf. The moment I saw her, I knew that she was deaf. The yeah. moment I saw her. She has tiny ears. I saw her ear. One ear is different than the other. And right when I saw her ear, I'm like, well, she's deaf. Yeah. And I didn't even. I think I was so focused on because she wasn't crying. And I think that was kind of like a shock because Zaylee didn't cry either. And it makes me anxious when they don't cry, when I don't hear them making a noise. Well, and something that the doctor kind of made me aware of here recently, and I know we're going to have a whole episode on Erica here soon, but she mentioned something about tears and she doesn't tear ever. No, Erica doesn't ever tear. And so that, is something I guess we need to look into because I don't think I've ever seen her actually produce tears. No, I've only seen from one eye and she, we do have a lot of doctor's appointments and one of them is the eye doctor. And so far everything looks fine. She said that the eye is producing liquid cause you can see that it's not red and it's not like dry and maybe she just isn't, but she's going to keep an eye on it because you know, she has, checkups every so often to make sure but that was something that I did bring up was I've never seen her tear up like I've maybe seen one tear come out of one eye but I've never since seen that happen Zaylee's a pro she, can, <laughs> she cries she all the time no. <laughs> yeah but one thing that I did tell one of my friends was I realize now why I went through those miscarriages because of those miscarriages I think that I felt more prepared for Erica because, you know, she's deaf. She has a cleft palate. She's going to have a huge journey ahead of her as far as surgery goes and doctor's appointments and catching up with all the other kids her age. Yeah. I mean, this MRI is big because it will tell us if she has a nerve or not. And if she can hear, then she has to catch up to everybody else because she is behind on hearing. She has never heard anything before. And the MRI was to check for the auditory nerve so that she can see, so we can see if she'll be a candidate for a cochlear implant. And the cochlear implant will then let her hear. All other methods of hearing at this time won't work for her. Right. So she is profoundly deaf until we get the results of this MRI. And that's kind of where we'll leave off on Erica because we do want to dedicate a whole episode to her here soon. So, yeah. So I think for me, I always, you know, positive for me, I always feel like now I understand why I had to go through that hard part. Maybe not so much because Zaylee was an easy baby. She still is a pretty easygoing kid. And going through those heartbreaks, I think, prepared me better 
for having a baby who can't hear because we don't have anything as far as family members who are deaf so for that big of a shock for her not being because my thing was I I I do love breastfeeding because it's the bond that I enjoy having with my child and it was heartbreaking for me when I found out that she couldn't um but like I said the miscarriages I think help prepare me emotionally for any future stuff that we have going on and the reason she couldn't breastfeed was because the cleft palate doesn't allow the baby to get suction that's our episode for this week we've enjoyed it if you didn't enjoy it, you didn't think it was funny, it wasn't meant to be funny this week. It was kind of a more serious more topic. serious for us. It tugs at the heartstrings. But we appreciate you listening. Check out our Instagram page for the holes of the week and the plug of the week. And also for any other information you can check out spouseholes.com. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>